Good morning, beloved. So today we are doing part two of uh, um, a message that I began last week on communion. And uh, I'm going to quickly brush through at the end of this sermon, we're going to partake communion. And I believe even as you're doing it with a correct understanding that you're going to see the, the benefits of having communion. Okay. Um, I'm quickly just going to uh, brush up on what we, uh, what I covered in part one. And uh, I talked about communion, just that very word in Greek means, uh, it comes from this word called koinonia, okay, which literally means fellowship. Or the word communion means common union, okay? That's why it is communion. That's where we get the word community from. And so when you're partaking communion, uh, this word came from Corinthians. But when Jesus called it, when he, was, uh, when, uh, he partook of the, the bread and the wine, he just called, he just said that do this in remembrance of me. And it was an act of remembrance. Okay. And something remembrance means bring, bring back to your mind or bring back this memory of what I'm doing back to you and keep on, keep on having this memory, keep on holding this memory with you. That's what remembrance means, right? You're bringing some, uh, you're bringing uh, an experience or a picture or whatever back to your memory again and again and again that's what it means and so he said do this in remembrance of me and so communion means common union you're one with him okay and everything flows out of our oneness with god everything is coming so it's not coming from outside everything is coming from inside out okay so um so the very word communion means common union or common union with everything that christ is that's why if you're looking at the, the bread, you're looking at the wine, it's common union with that. Okay. Now I'm, I'm going to read some two verses, which I've put in the end. I stopped at, um, we are, you know, uh, so for those who are watching us online, there's a link that opens up a PDF file. And if you click on that link, it's going to take, take you through all the scripture verses that we're reading. Uh, last week I stopped before John 17, the oneness prayer. Okay, and we're going to take that oneness prayer today. It's in the notes. I've added a few more verses today that we're going to cover. Uh, what I want you to do, uh, I'm going to read um, just one, two scriptures more. You don't have to go with it. It's, it's there in the notes. But I'm just going to read it and because I'm going to talk about it today. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to read from... Uh, hold on. Okay, I'm going to read John 3.16. And then I'm going to read um, 1 Corinthians 11, 17, where a lot of sometimes, uh, you know, when people tell you to examine yourselves and things like that, and one can have a wrong, uh, can have a misunderstanding of what communion is there. Okay, so I'm going to take these two scriptures. Uh, I'm going to read John 3, 16. Okay, <clears throat> and while we've always quote, quoted John 3, 16, right? Like God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we ended there. But it's very important to see John 17. And what does it say in John 17? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Okay, very important to know this. And now look at this, verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. I want you to say this to yourself. When I believe in Christ, I am not condemned in anything. That's a foundation. The minute Adam sinned, condemnation set in. He entered into a realm, he entered into another world, let's say like that, okay, of sin and death. 
because he partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so what was the result of that tree? It leads to death. It leads to condemnation. And a condemned heart cannot receive. That's why people fall sick is because of condemnation. Condemnation is where, you know, that whole body, it's, it's like in the microcosm. It gets a signal like there's something wrong. And that's what it lowers your immunity. That's how people fall sick. And the more you're awake, awaking to righteousness, consciousness, innocent, I'm blameless, I'm right. You're, you're not under condemnation. You'll be surprised how the immunity in your body is going up at a subconscious level. And that's how you're walking in divine health. Okay, so I'm just going to read that <clears throat> once again. Um, okay, so, so important. Verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Today, there is no condemnation for any other person. There's only one condemnation that a person has. It's did they believe in Christ? Because the minute you come to Christ, your sins are completely forgiven. You've become one with the father. You've come back home to your father. And now there is no condemnation to you. You have every right to have every inheritance of the father that Jesus went on the cross to give you. Okay. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. That means the solution came, the savior came. Okay. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. Least their deeds, his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light and his deeds may be clearly forgiven. That, that they have been done in God. Okay? So I, I, I want you to hold this verse 17 in your hearts. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Okay? And the minute Adam sinned, he was already condemned. Okay? And now I'm going to read in 1, 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. Now what was happening in this church, in the early church? Okay? Now in giving these instructions... This is Paul writing. Now, in given these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worst. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. What was happening in the early church? They were coming to it and not recognizing it as elements of God. They were coming and getting drunk over it. They were eating, maybe just hastily eating a lot of the bread, drinking the wine and getting drunk and not remembering that this is symbolic of something that Christ has done. Okay, and so Paul is telling them, don't you have houses to eat and drink? Why are you coming here and gorging? But this is a table of remembrance. Okay, this is the way he's telling them. And then he's telling them, judge yourselves. Like, what are you doing? Okay, <clears throat> verse 23 for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me 
in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me so what are we doing constantly when you are having communion henceforth you are going to remember your co union with christ your co union with him or what he's done for you okay that he went in your place that's why you can never allow yourself to be condemned and that's the ministry you're reminding yourself no condemnation in christ is because someone else went and paid that price for you okay now look at this verse 27 therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the lord in an unworthy manner so it's not telling about who you are it's talking about the way they were doing it they were getting drunk over it they were eating it they were gorging it and so he's saying if you're doing it in an unworthy manner we'll be guilty of the body and the blood of the lord but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the lord's body now i told you the minute adam fell he fell into the cycle of sin and death he's already fallen into judgment he's he's gone to another realm and he's already condemned we read it in john 3 317 318 there's already a condemnation that is seeped into his heart okay and we'll read it from romans as well so look at this and that's why the the judgment is because you're not discerning the lord's body now this is not god's judgment on him we saw in exodus right before you understand the communion you have to know the passover and we talked we read about passover from exodus 30 uh, exodus 12 in the last message and what was the passover jesus is called the passover lamb and what was symbolic of the passover why did jesus have to die on the passover because he is called the passover lamb and what was the passover was the judgment on the children of israel or the rest of the world the judgment was a clear distinction when god simply told israel i'm going to bring you out of the land of egypt that means out of the land of bondage for us today it is from the realm of sin and death i told you adam fell into a realm of sin and death the minute he partook this entire world is governed by the tree of knowledge of good and evil and so they live into a realm of sin and death in a realm of already they are condemned they live in a realm of condemnation that's why bad things happen that's why sickness happens because they are already in a realm and that's why fa the father sent the son so that he could redeem his sons back out of this realm and back into the realm of life that's why it's called we are partakers of the law of life law of life that means it's a law sometimes i don't even believe it and the law works for me just the way the law of sin and death works whether you believe it or not if you jump from here you're going to fall down the law of life for sons you you'll see it working for you there have been times when i go to some places that have been there for years like i was i took an office in a mall that was not um, not active for like some 15 years because of some political party and things like that and my very presence in that mall i didn't do anything i just took i just rented out a place in that mall and then do you know what happened i just got to hear this that the political parties changed and then things just shifted and everything and this mall that was dead for say 10 years suddenly i started seeing housekeeping people and i started seeing the rents go up and i was like what happened they're like oh this after 17 you know whatever 15 years this mall has suddenly opened up again and started started resurrecting and then i knew it's your very presence there because your resurrection life you're under the law of life death things come back to life okay if there's corruption i've gone to places where there's corruption and your very presence they will expose things and things that that have been in operation for a while suddenly get shut down 
Because guess what? The fear of the Lord is in you and the fear of the Lord in you hates evil. So anytime it's going anywhere and evil just means not of God. That means it could be even be sickness. Your very presence, sickness disappears. Your very presence, any corruption is there, it'll get exposed. Darkness will flee. So it's who you are because, and guess what is happening? It's the law of life that is on your behalf. And so, so then your mind, some, a lot of times my mind catches up to who I, who I am and I see things and I'm like, wow, you know, that's the, the relationship of the father with the son. You're in a realm of light. And so what was Exodus? God was removing. Exodus was all about God taking his children out from the land of Egypt that they've been for so long slavery into the promised land. And so for today, for you and me, he pulls us out of the kingdom of darkness, takes us into the kingdom of the son of Islam, takes us out of the realm of sin and death that we've lived for so long into the land of promise, into life. Okay, and what did he do it? He, he said that take the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. And he told them there was even an, a, a, a manner in which they had to do it. He said, you know how you're going to do it? You're going to eat the meat. You're going to eat it hastily. Look at this. I'm just going to quickly read that. Okay, what we discussed in uh, last, last week. I'm just going to read that. You don't have to go there. In Exodus 12, verse, uh, where was I? Yeah, verse 11. And thus you shall eat it. Now see the manner in which they ate it. With a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. That means in a, in a get ready position to get out. So you shall eat it in a haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And there was only one distinction that God made. Look at this. And I'm going to read that in verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, not strike the Israelites, to strike the Egyptians. Okay. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer, not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. There was a clear distinction between the children of God, the children of Israel, and the rest of the world. And what was the distinction? Was God looking at people and the way they were, their behavior, what they've done in life, their, their good deeds, their bad deeds? Or what was the di distinction between my children and the rest of the world? The blood. The blood. And that means that the destroyer saw the blood, he can't touch you. That's why I keep harping on, the more you know, that your relationship with the father is established in his blood and you're getting rooted in that, the devil can't mess with you. You get more secure. You'll stop, stop falling sick. You'll stop fighting so much. You'll stop fighting a devil that's already been defeated. You'll learn to rest more because you know your relationship is secure in the blood. You even want to get, you know that if your relationship with God, if your relationship with the father, if you see him as God, People can throw some scriptures at you, tell you the scripture says this in Galatians, the scripture says this in Corinthians, and you'll get ruffled and you'll fear. But if your relationship with the father is in his blood, if you understand you're a son, no matter what scripture people tell you, it doesn't matter. You'll know that this is not, this is not seen correctly through the blood. They're missing it. Because it's, when you understand it's father and son, no one can touch you. That's why it says, till you come to the maturity of the son, to the fullness of Christ, will you stop getting tossed to and fro by every scripture and wind of doctrine? It happens to people when your relationship is with God. So if it is with God, then yeah, everything, because you'll fear God, then you'll know God. And 
it's the way you see him is like god and man and so man fears god but once you understand it's father and son you're secure and no matter what scripture someone i don't know your scripture you're reading it wrong you have to understand you're a son and then you can discern everything like um, you know ever since i came into the kingdom i never needed someone to approve i just it just bore witness with me and i always saw it through the lens of like my father like i'm the beloved and if you start seeing that you're the beloved you're a son and then you see the world then it makes perfect sense and i'm like how how can you uh, and then i realized when i sat with those people they see him as god and they have every right then because every scripture will mess with you if you start seeing him as god yeah you will get scared certain scriptures won't because you've not understood the heart once you understand that you and i are the object of his affection before son comes beloved this is my beloved son if you don't understand your beloved you will not understand sonship only to, for the word beloved to be there means you have to belong to somebody that means i have to be the object of someone's affection now he doesn't call me anything else but beloved means i'm the object of his affection now now if he calls you beloved now it's very difficult for somebody to see themselves as beloved and now get all these scriptures where it says if you don't walk worthy and this and that and you'll miss it uh, galatians and things like that it won't it won't mess with you and i'll i'll take that up in in a series later on where paul's tone is always he's comparing the old man and the new man okay and so i'll always tell people but read the verses below that what does it say okay and so we'll address that later but what i'm saying is understand that it's a love relationship between you and the father so sim the simplicity you were made first to be the object of his affection to have a relationship with the father adam missed it he fell into another realm and now through christ the lost sons of adam are coming back home to him back to the father the son was made to have dominion over this world do you know to come and set things right there were some things that were in chaos in the world there were already things here before then and we were supposed to go and subdue it we lost sons of god were coming that's why the devil got jealous oh my god sons of god a new species is coming and how does he take it over make him sin and i told you even in the garden think about it god did not want adam to know good and evil right and wrong think about it and is this not what the church is constantly trying to tell everybody this is right this is wrong this is right this is wrong but god didn't want man to have that to have that knowledge and i told you how once god told me what do children have that grown ups don't have and i told you it was supernaturally revealed to me it's in deuteronomy children who today don't have consciousness of right and wrong that means the more you're coming out of sin consciousness to that degree you're going to see divine health in your body sin consciousness leads to condemnation leads to sickness and so i i understand that the the church is so like you know they want to get it right and but it's that's why people get sick condemn the ministry of condemnation leads to death and the more righteousness consciousness you are you're awaking to righteousness consciousness okay a the fruit is holiness for that but my point is you'll stop falling sick because your immunity in your body is growing it's every cell is it's 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 like it's going through redemption in your body okay and so look at that <clears throat> i'm quickly going to read um hold on okay so this this is the the manner in which they were they were taking communion okay they were getting drunk over it so i told you once you understand now so you know like so when i read the passover you saw that the judgment was it on the children of israel or was it on the rest of the world the judgment was on the rest of the world 
So now if you understand Passover, then you can understand when Paul is saying judgment, obviously it can't be on you. So it's talking about, now let me read this again. Verse 27, therefore whoever eats this bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the blood and the, <clears throat> will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the blood. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Yes, if I don't discern the Lord's body, that's why I'm sick. There's already a judgment. I'm in this, but I can be out of this, the judgment of this world that is there, out of this, this system of condemnation, everything, this law of sin and death. I can be set apart when I discern the Lord's body. And I won't have that judgment coming on me. That means I won't fall sick when I'm learning to discern that. Are you understanding what I'm saying? When I'm understanding my co-union with Christ. Not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. That means they prematurely die. For if we would judge ourselves, that means when I'm taking the Lord's cup and his bread and now I'm discerning my co-union with him. Father, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you died in my place. That you are my perfect standing before the Father. I thank you that I'm in the same relationship with you. I thank you that as you are, so am I in this world. That no sickness can dwell in me because the penalty, all sickness comes in through sin. But if sin has been dealt with on the cross, how can it even have hold in you? And you're processing that. And that's what you're doing in you. And you're holding that cup and reminding yourself. And so guess what? When you're doing it, you will not fall sick. You will not be weak and you will not sleep prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. There is a condemnation for this world. We, I showed you again in John 17. God did not send the, uh, send the Son to condemn the world. And what is the condemnation? They're already condemned because they don't believe in the Son. That means every son without Christ is already condemned. And so communion and understanding is, is setting yourself apart from that condemnation. Set, setting apart means, you know, holiness simply means to set apart. Set yourself apart. That's what it means. In everything, I'm setting myself apart. And in John 17, we read, Jesus says, you know how I'm in the world, but I'm not the world. But how do you set apart? Sanctify them by the word. So I remind myself, like, oh, COVID is there and everything. Yeah, yeah. but I set myself apart. I'm a son. I'm under the law of life. The law of life in me, like a law, it's going to work on my behalf. Just the way the law of sin and death works, whether they believe it or not, this law of life is going to work on my behalf. That's my, my, my rest is in his faith that is working it all out. I rest, I choose to enjoy it. And then that law is going to be active in me. Sometimes even when it's not catching up with my mind, I see that law active. And that's what's happening. And that's what I'm, I'm saying, you're setting yourself apart. And so, now read this again. We are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. This world is under condemnation and that's how you're not getting sucked into that condemnation. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. That's why these people are just running and drinking and just eating it. And now he's saying, listen, when you come together now, just wait for one another. That means the manner in which they were doing it was wrong. Okay. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. Least you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. That was his entire tone is talking about the way they were doing it. They were getting drunk over it. And he's saying, look, this is about a meal. 
This is very symbolic. This is about partaking, about our co-union with him. Don't get drunk here. It's a remembrance meal. And let's honor it. And if you're hungry, then please eat at home and come. But don't gorge here at this table. Like this. That's his manner. Okay? So now, every time you have cup, it's not about confession of sin. In fact, you know, you can do it. God doesn't forgive you. It's your own heart that gets released out of uh, condemnation when you do that. And that's okay if you want to do it. But my point is you will only confess something that you think is sin. And then you'll realize it was never the Holy Spirit convicting you because your own conscience is doing that because it's condemned already. Okay? For example, in the Old Testament, even sickness in the body is sin. But have you ever seen the Holy Spirit con uh, convict you of sickness or how you're allowing sickness in your body? No. Very rarely you'll hear somebody who was convicted of sickness as that's sin. No, because they don't know it. Okay, I'll talk about this. I'm going to do a series in Jan on what sin is. It's going to set you free. Okay, but your, our own conscience condemns us. And that's why even when you, you know, sometimes I speak, like when I know I'm missing it and stuff, I'll just talk to God. But I don't do it with the intention to get forgiven. I know I'm forgiven. I'm a righteous son. But I always say I'm, it's not in my nature. And that's my point of reference because I know I'm in blood relationship with him. Okay, so now, and the more you're getting rested in that, my God, now you're in a relationship. Each one of you hearing me today, your relationship with the Father is based on like that doorpost. It's based on his blood, your blood. And once you're in the blood, when God was also looking, the destroyer was only looking at the blood and segregating two types of children, children of God and the rest of the world. There was no, like I said, Santa's naughty list there, good and bad children. It was just by the blood. And the more you're getting secure with your father in your blood relationship, all inheritance is coming effortlessly because this son knows I can't mess with that person. This son knows his relationship with the father is by blood. That's what you need to get rest in. That's why what son will sleep, son will get up. Son will go, son will do. I'm, thank God I'm a child. I'm, I'm the beloved. Do what you want. Tell me any scripture and it doesn't matter to me. I'm the beloved. And so are you. Beloved son. You know you're the beloved. You can take down anything. David also, his name means beloved, right? He took down Goliath. How did he take down Goliath? He knows he's the beloved. His own personal relationship is so secure. No matter what comes your way, you'll take it down. Because you're the beloved. Okay, I'm quickly going to read <clears throat> 1 John 2, 2, and then we'll go back to uh, read John 17, okay, to understand communion. 1 John 2, 2. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for us, but also for the sins of the whole world. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is about Jesus. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7 and 8. Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be in a new unleavened batch as you really are for Christ. See this, our Passover lamb has been sanctified. Christ is our Passover lamb. That's why when you're taking communion, when they say, oh, you'll be judged, judgment. If you do not understand Passover lamb, then you will misinterpret that verse. And like I said, once you understand who you are, it's such an awesome place to be in. No scripture, nothing. is Your relationship is not with scripture. It's with the Father. And then you can make sense of everything. Okay? See, this so clearly it's written. For Christ, our Passover, Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with old bread, leavened with malice and wickedness, 
but with the unleavened bread, with the bread of sincerity and truth. You know, leaven, what it does, or yeast, what it does in a bread. It will just make it puff up. That means without yeast, nothing can do. That means, why was it unleavened? That means not your works. Not your works. It's all Christ. I told you, the old covenant was cut between God and man. Man had some part to pay. The new covenant is between father and son. We are the, just the recipients. That's why we can't do anything to keep it. Add it to it, okay? Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed for the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I told you during the Passover, God told them take a lamb without blemish. And so Christ here is, with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That means he is my propitiation for everything. Now I'm going to read a little note, commentary that I got, okay? The day Jesus was crucified was the day of the Passover celebration and the day that the Passover lamb was to be sacrificed. For the previous 1200 years, the priest would blow the shofar, the ram's horn, at 3 p.m. The moment the lamb was sacrificed and all the people would pause to contemplate the sacrifice for sins on behalf of the people of Israel at 3 p.m. Once the shofar was blown. At 3 p.m. when Jesus was being crucified, he said, it is finished. At the moment that the Passover lamb was sacrificed and the shofar was blown from the temple. The sacrifice of the lamb of God was fulfilled at the hour that the symbolic animal sacrifice usually took place. He died so that you go free. That's why Passover is all about children in bondage. Children in this realm, stuck in this realm. Coming out of this realm, coming back home into the freedom that God wanted them to be. Now let me read Romans chapter, chapter 5. I'm quickly going to read. You don't have to go with me. Just hear me. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man's sin, through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Okay? For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. That means death just came in because of Adam. That means it just came into the blood. That's why I said, you know where the law of sin and death is? In Romans, in Romans 7, it will tell you where the law of sin and death is. The law of sin and death is in your members. That's why it's impossible for you to, to get right in your flesh. It will never happen. This flesh will have to die. You'll have to take on the glorified body for it. The minute Adam sinned, Sin entered this man. Now, if, if someone doesn't have an understanding, they'll live their whole life trying to get right here. It's not possible. Because the law, it's a law that entered. It's clearly written here. Look at this. Okay. <clears throat> Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. That means it's not like what Adam did. For by, if by one man's offense, that is by Adam, what he did, many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, that means Jesus Christ by what he did, this grace comes to many. And the gift is not like that which came through one man who sinned. 
for the judgment which, which came from one offense. Now see this, that's why I told you, understand what judgment is. The judgment that came from one man, Adam sinned, and so he entered judgment. That means it was, the, and what was the judgment? Death. He partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the fruit is death. It was like a realm of judgment, and you're, he's, Jesus is getting us out of that. Okay, so see this. Um, where was I? But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. Resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses, that means what Christ did, resulted in justification. Justification for life. That means your and my, you know, the more you're getting secure. Now, you don't know this, okay? Every time you're hearing, every time you're hearing, trust me, you know what's happening? You're getting established in your blood relationship. And so you think I'm just hearing. But you, do you know you'll see your life shifting? You'll see certain, su suddenly divine health is manifesting. Is because condemnation at that root level is getting uprooted and you're getting established in your blood relationship with the father. Okay? <clears throat> And so, and this relationship resulted in justification for life. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense, that means what Adam did, death reigned through the one. That means death came to the whole world through one Adam. Much more those who receive, that's why grace has to be received. You can't earn grace. It has to be received. You know, in school you have grace marks, right? It means you're going to fail and the teacher gave you grace marks. You didn't deserve it. They just gave it to you. And that's how you pass. That means grace is what? It's completely de dependent upon the other person. It's not on you. It's on somebody else. <gasps> what a sigh, like, <sighs> like, <sighs> you know, everything in you is just like your father. I have more confidence in the, in the son in you than in your flesh. And so I always tell people who come and tell me, oh, but she's doing this and she's doing that and he's doing this. And, and I'll be like, I don't care. I know that they're just like the father. And after some time, if they're reminded enough that they're a sun, they'll get up and fly because they're a butterfly. They're not a fly anymore. And they need to be reminded who they are. Okay? And that's righteousness consciousness. That your security, now you're still a son of the blood. You might be a son of the blood doing silly things, but you're still a son of the blood doing silly things. And the more you realize that you're just like him, they say, ka beta hai, like father, like son. The more you wake up, you're just like him, you'll walk because everything in your nature is just like your father. Everything wants to be, everything hates evil because you're just like your father. Everything in you, you're not, no different. So it's Christ in you. And so you begin to rest. Okay. Verse 17. For by one man's offense, uh, Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. It's a gift. It's a gift. That's why your flesh can't. And the more you... No matter what you do, you shake it off. You remind yourself, I'm a son of his blood. Righteousness. You shake it off because A, condemnation can't touch you then, right? No, no, the devil can't touch you, okay? And from that position, you deal with those things in the flesh. And I always say our standing point for dealing those things that we see it up. Like I told you some, some while ago, I had like a outbursts of wrath. Now I know that, okay? Someone says like, how do you know it's Christ if you're doing silly things? You know that. The word is also there. It tells me the works of the flesh, you know, fornication, adultery, and all of these things. And deep down, I know because it's in your nature, you, you just 
you won't gravitate towards those things because anyway, it's not in your nature. But I was saying outburst of flesh. I was like, oh, and now I don't do it from it's sin and it's not. I just, I, I address it from it's not in my nature. And so I don't like it when I'm seeing these things. Now I know it's because of the law of sin and death, right? It's there. And I, I just don't like it because like, think about it, right? Like you're losing your cool and you might be abusing some things and like, oh, I don't like that. It's not in my nature. And, but I address it from it's not in my nature and I want to pull that out. But I do it in very secure in my blood relationship with my father, not as God and man, as father and son. Okay. Uh, look at this. <clears throat> Therefore, verse 18. Uh, okay, I'm just going to read. And those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life, will reign in life. That means you'll reign over sin, you'll reign over sickness, you'll reign over any problem that is coming, with, coming towards you through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. You will reign over through the one Jesus Christ. So how do you reign over it? By sin consciousness or by righteousness consciousness? By righteousness consciousness. I told you there was this girl once, Sanyukta, and you'll meet her soon, okay? Uh, she had come into the kingdom. I'd met her. She was uh, assisting me. And um, she came into the kingdom. I lost contact with her for six months. I met her again. And she really wanted like an encounter with Jesus. I said, just ask him. Uh, anyway, six months later, when I met her, I was sitting and she was wearing full white. And then G uh, I told her, Sayuta, why are you wearing white? She said, Jesus told me to wear white. I said, no, no, you tell me the dream. What, what happened? You know, why, why are you wearing white? And then she has this profound dream in which she's sitting at a table. She's holding her head like this. Jesus is in front of her. And I've repeated the story, but for the context, I'm going to repeat it again. And so Jesus is sitting in front of her. And then uh, she realizes in the dream that it's Jesus right in front of her. And then uh, Jesus tells her, I need you to be patient. Okay. And because I knew that Sayuta also is a very impatient person. Like she wants everything now. And she's just not. So Jesus was telling her, you know, you've you learned patience. And then um, he, Jesus told her, tell me all your problems. So now Sayuta goes on ranting all her problems. I've got this, I've got that, I've got that. And she, she's just going on. Okay. For a few minutes. And then Jesus is just sitting there hearing her. And then he tells her, he's saying, for all your problems, I have one solution. For all your problems, I have one solution. And then he tells Sayukta, as I'm wearing white, start wearing white. So now Sayukta literally thinks she has to wear white clothes. So she's wearing white clothes every day. And then I said, Sayukta, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about righteousness consciousness. That you're a son of his blood. That's what it means to get secure. Okay, that not feeling condemned. So imagine he was telling her the reason for all these problems is condemnation. And so the way out of all these problems, how, what is the word sin? Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, as I'm wearing white, start wearing white, will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. That means he was saying you'll reign over all these problems. How did I get out of sickness that I was falling for six years? Righteousness consciousness. What is righteousness consciousness? Father, it's not in my nature. As you are, so am I in this world. Jesus died. So I was not, it was not even a sin issue. I was looking at it. It's my righteousness. I'm like a son of your blood. And I started feeding identity in me of who I am. What Jesus has paid to give me. I'm just like you. And then guess what happens when you take on an identity? The minute I said, I'm, it's not in my nature to fall sick, all symptoms started coming. Because everything comes to test that word. And that word is getting refined in you. And that's when you hold your position as a son. You're not fighting, you're holding it. And everything was coming to tell me, no, see, the word is not true. Look at the symptoms. Look at everything in your body. It doesn't look like it's not in your nature. And then you stand strong. That's what patience means in Greek. It just means endurance, steadfastness. That means holding your position. Endurance means what? When you're bodybuilding, you're enduring. Something is pulling and you're enduring. 
So patience means I'm holding that word through faith and patience to inherit the promise. I'm holding that word in me that no, it's not in my nature. Everything was telling me no. And then I was just holding and I said, I choose to believe it just because my father says so. That's what faith is. It's independent of what you see, your five senses. And so you hold and then what happened? Guess what? Everything disappeared. When I endured, I was just holding on. That word. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. So what is the problem? The problem is not their righteousness. In that area, you might be condemned and you don't even know what condemnation looks like. I told you people, I really believe people don't gain weight because, uh, you know, if someone who's trying to lose weight for the longest time, the first thing when you eat ice cream and you're trying to diet and everything, the first thing when you eat ice cream, you'll feel guilty. So it's not the ice cream that made you gain weight. It's the guilt, condemnation. Your heart is condemned. And so even if you're eating, 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 eat it without condemnation. If you're doing it, do it with joy and you won't. And then do you know that why you will stop eating like a gorge? Because it's not in your nature. Slaves eat, but you start eating like a son. You may not go to the factory thing. You might just eat that one thing that is just yummy. You'll eat it like a king. The king is not going and gorging everything. King just eats might be a little thing because he knows all things he can have. They're not going to affect him. Okay. Everything comes out, flows out of the heart of a son through your blood relationship. So the minute Adam fell, he came into a realm of sin and death, of knowledge of good and evil, and he became a slave. That's what the Egyptians, under Egypt, they were children of God, living under Egyptians, and all their life they thought they were slaves. Slaves, taskmasters, heavy taskmasters, and we will do this, do that, and then they'll get some wage. And then God brings us out of the realm, back into sonship. That's why the Bible says, a slave can't inherit, a son inherits. So then people tell me, but I'm a son, I've been, it was a head knowledge. You'll go deeper, 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 and you'll be so surprised how you are a slave. You know, I told you, I will look at my own life and I'll see in the areas where I've, I've been a slave and I was a slave to my emotions for the longest time. That means emotions rule me. I don't know how, I, if you go by feelings and emotions, you're such a slave. And then you're not reigning over it. And so, and what was the wilderness? All God pulling Egypt children of Israel out of Egypt before they went into the promised land, they went through a wilderness. And what was that wilderness? It was the father bringing his children back into dependence upon him. That's why don't eat the manna on so many days, eat the manna on uh, you know, six days, collect twice, seven days, it would be there. They just had to live by the word. They wanted water. God said, okay, strike the thing and you'll have the water, strike the rock. Everything, he was bringing them back out of bondage under fatherhood before they enter, enter the promised land. And that's what your journey is, coming out of that mind of slavery into the mind of a son. Out of a heart of slavery that's constantly had things, you know, like I don't have this, I don't have this, lack mindset, into abundance mindset. And the more healthy you're getting, the soul of yours is getting rich into righteousness consciousness. Righteousness, awake to righteousness is sin not. Trust me, everything in you is just like your father. Religion is on a sin hunt. God is not. For God, he paid his price in his son on the cross. And now he's more consciousness. He's more, he's more interested in those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign over life. Okay? For God, I'm, I'm going to read this and I'm going to read one more scripture. <clears throat> Verse 18. Therefore, as to one man's offense, 
judgment came to all men adam sinned judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation that means they didn't do anything i told you this this world is already in judgment judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation okay even so through one man's righteous act that is jesus the free gift came to all men resulting in justification for life that means in every area the reason why i choose to have a victorious report the reason why i should have a glorious marriage the reason why i should have this report say yeah no cancer no nothing is because of christ because i'm a son of his blood verse 20 moreover the law entered that the offense might abound that means the law came so that sin can show itself as sin but when sin abounded grace abounded much more so as sin reigned in death even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through jesus christ the lord see now these words you have to meditate on them how is grace reigning through righteousness that means through righteousness to eternal life through jesus christ our lord how do you get life in that situation that you want to see it's through righteousness that's why i think it's in john 16 or john 15 where the work of the holy spirit it says he convicts you of sin of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me but that's already happened now you've come into the kingdom then it says of righteousness because i go to the father and you see me no more it's through righteousness that you get the victory and then it says of judgment because the ruler has been judged the judgment is not on you the ruler has been judged and so your victory in all situations is through sonship is through righteousness and so it's not a head understanding it's not the saying i'm righteous and righteous in that guess what the holy spirit will take you through things and then all of and and that's what happens in a trial but after that you know you think no son the only reason why a son goes through a trial is because he forgets he's a son and so that trial i don't run away from the trial i uh, i just uh, you know there's someone at the door so just give me a second i missed a lot of the teaching i didn't record it okay doesn't matter and um, so a lot of my uh, so anyways this girl comes and tells me um, that uh, you know she said i'm available where do you want to go uh, she said how about instead of pondicherry how about dubai and uh, suddenly we we paid up and everything and now for new years i'm going to dubai and have this girl who wants to come with me she wants to do the same things like i like and uh, a, a way just opened up you know and i'm saying that it's a love relationship with your father that he is just all he does is so that you can enjoy enjoy that relationship with him and the simplicity of that so one day i didn't have anybody to go and now i might have like three or four people who want to go you know and just just a way opened up uh and then i just felt like he's the father who really gives you the desires of your heart because he put them there in the first place okay uh we're going to uh so i want you all to open up with me to john we're going to close with this so open up with me to john 17 okay let's go to john 17 john 17 john 
So for those who are continuing, uh, I I put the recording on pause and then I unpause it after a long time. So you, a few things might seem disconnected in the message, but uh, I know that the Holy Spirit will bring everything together. Okay, so John 17. Um, so this is the prayer that Jesus is praying before he goes to the cross. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should have eternal life, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may, and this is eternal life. Look at this, that they may know you, that they may know you, the only true God. That means it's relationship. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of this world. What did Jesus say? Abba, Father, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of this world. So, you know, when people say all the world, but when God says world, it's a seed. It's a seed. And so he says, I manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of this world. Not all, to the seed. Okay. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me and they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world. See this. I do not pray for the world, but I pray for them. But for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. It's in the seed. It's all about the seed. Even the children of Israel and the, and the Egyptians, there was a distinction with the seed. So just because everyone looks like this doesn't mean they're the seed. Sons of God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They just know. They'll come to you. Okay, sometimes it takes time, but it's in the seed. No son can go to hell. He's a son. Once you understand blood relationship, then you'll know. Religion will worry about hell and heaven when they see God as God and man. Once you know father and son, it's by blood. You're one with him. If I go to hell, Christ is in hell with me because I'm one with him. Understand, what, the more you're growing in oneness, then you'll understand what oneness means. You can't separate two out of one. I told you a, a child is a product of two people coming together. That's what happened when you became one. Now in me, my, I look like my father and my mother. Can you separate my father and mother out of me? No. I'm one. And wherever I go, my father and mother are going. Because I'm one. You're absolutely one with him. Okay? See this. And all mine are yours and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. That they may be one as we are one. So now Jesus, wherever he goes, he's one with the Father, right? Wherever he is going, he's going to, uh, he's going to a barn, he's one with the Father. 
He's going to the bathroom. He's one with the father. He's walking on the road. He's one with the father. He's going to the mall. He's one with the father. One means one. Means one does not mean two people. That means he goes, I leave. One means one. Okay. So now see this. All and all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. Now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I have kept them in your name. Those whom, we gave, those whom you gave me, I have kept and none of them is lost except the son of perdition. That means Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. You are not of the world, just as our father is not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. That means how can we be in the world and not of the world? Through the truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That's why in every situation, you can sanctify yourself. You can be out of the realm and the judgment of law of sin and death. Sanctify. That's what communion was. So that I don't partake of this judgment that is already on this world. I'm out of this through sanctification, through the word, setting myself apart, reminding myself I'm a son. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. By the truth. Verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. We are all one in each other. And the glory which which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. That they may be one just as we are one. How was Jesus one? He never, he never separated himself from the Father. He never said this is God's voice. He just says I am God's voice. Whatever you see me speaking, it's all Christ. Whatever you see me doing, I mean, it's all the Father. When Philip asked, show me the Father, he said, I've been with you so long and you're saying, show me the Father. He never separated himself. Long before you can do silly things, you have to first believe you're separated from him. That's why Adam sinned. Eve or whoever, partook of the tree first. First she had to believe that God was not with her. First came separation. Then came the act. Long before you do silly things, people do silly things. First they have to have a divided heart. They do not know that they're one. And out of not having a union, there's all silly things pop up. That's why I say the more you believe in oneness, trust me, you're not, everything in you is just like your father. Everything is flowing. It's his desire. It's all him in you. Okay. Everything flows out of oneness. So now, you know why you believe you're one? Now, if you look at your, you look at your flesh and then decide whether you're one or not, that means you're letting your flesh tell you your identity. Your oneness believes, you begin first your oneness. You want everything to flow in your life, right? Like I, I spoke to some people and they said, but everything in me doesn't look one. That means you're still living your life through your flesh. You're letting your flesh tell you whether you're one or not. You believe you're one because the father says so. I am one. And that's my point. 
Now everything from there on looks like I'm not one. I yelled at that taxi driver. I used some F words maybe. I did something bad. I cursed my brother. And everything looks like you're not one. How can this be? And I'm not saying that that is. That's works of the flesh. But I'm saying you don't let it tell you whether you're one or not. And you still shake it off and say, I'm one with it. It's all him in me. Both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And the more you're resting in your oneness, which is secure by blood, now everything is flowing out of that oneness. Because now the devil knows this girl, this boy, doesn't let anything that they do shake their oneness. And a more a united heart is one heart. I told you, uh, you know, he used joint of the Lord is one heart. That word one in Greek means an undivided heart. Single heart. One. And everything is flowing out of oneness. So now that's why I gave you that I am. Remember I told you to read the I am. In this I am, which verses I've taken, I've taken them from all John. Look at the way Jesus is talking about his father. There is no separation. And so neither should you have it. So first, that's what it means. You start believing your oneness first and then you'll start seeing it. Then you'll start seeing how come this desire changed? How come this thing, I don't want it anymore. I don't have to wrestle with it. I don't want it. You don't have to teach me what not to want. I don't want means I don't want. Some people like Nutella. I don't. You don't have to teach me don't like Nutella. I just don't. It's an inward out. And that's what I mean. Your desires change because they're all his desires in you. You've got one heart. Two hearts will have his heart, my heart, his heart, my heart. You start believing that you're one heart with him. Now, suddenly you realize, but I liked it for 10 years. How come suddenly today I don't like it anymore? It'll be like that. Trust me. Everything flows from first you believe your oneness, then you will see it play out. You believe it and everything comes to test. The minute you decide to do it, you do some stupid things. And that's when you still hold on and choose to believe, shake it off. No, I'm just like my father. I'm just like my father. I've got one heart. And everything flows out of that oneness. Have more confidence in the spirit in you than in your flesh. That's why we do not set our minds on things of the flesh, but on the spirit. That's what it means to be like, I'm spiritually led. Like I believe my father. So the world will point you out to your flesh and that's okay. But you be secure in your blood relationship with him. Okay. And so look at this in verse 23. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them. Beloved as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Remember this land was slain before the foundation of the world and God said, I have chosen them before the foundation of the world he chose you. He knew who, who were his. O righteous Father, the world has, known, has not known you, but I have known you and these have known known that you sent me. See what he says. The world has not known you. It's one thing to know his heart. It's another thing to know scripture. And then he's among Pharisees, right? They have all scripture. And then he says, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. Okay. Verse 26. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. I have declared to them your name that the love with which you loved me, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. And I in them. You know, to every problem, if you fear, it's an orphan heart. 
Fear comes from an orphan heart. Fear actually means separation. I told you one of the Greek definitions, if you look up fear, one of the things is separation. That means you have to believe that you're not one with him. Because the more you're coming into oneness, you know that the, the problem that is coming towards you, it's not you, you died. It's all Christ in you. So Christ is not running away. Christ will go head on because everything is under his feet. And that's why the more you're secure in your oneness with him, that it's, I'm not trying to be one with him. He, he's one with me. I died. It's all Christ in me. So if I lift up this hand, it's Christ who lifted up his hand. My words are spirit and they are life. It's all Christ working in me, through me. And so now I will go. Christ is not scared of anything because everything fears Christ. If Christ is scared of something, that means that thing is greater than Christ. That's why it says, bring every thought argument to the obedience of Christ, but Christ is in you. That's why they're just these wrong uh, emotions and uh, you know, imaginations that rise up in your head and tells us to take it down. That's what we do. Okay, so now when you're having coming back to communion, I want to close today and uh, get your elements ready, a little uh, bread and wine. And uh, we're going to have communion in a worthy manner. What was the worthy manner in the Old Testament? With the belt on their, uh, on their waist, with the rod in their hand, with sandals on their feet. It was a position. Yeah, man, I'm out of the situation. Or I'm just like you, Father. It's a manner in which you do it. Yeah? So quickly, just go get your elements. I'm also going to get my elements ready. Then we're going to partake. Okay. Do we all have our uh, elements ready? Okay. Okay. So now, even as you hold this, this is remembrance. I told you, communion means a co-union. Common union with him. So even as right now, close your eyes, take the bread. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that your body was broken, that I remember right now my co-union with you. Your body was broken so that mine can always have wholeness in it. I thank you that you went on the cross, that you were my perfect standing. You did it. You took all the condemnation on you, all the judgment you took on you, Father. It was condemned in you, in your flesh, so that I have a rightful standing with my father, that I can receive all things. You blood bought them for me. And that's my standing with you. Thank you that you took on the cross every, all of my punishment, everything to make me a secure son. Today I'm a son of your blood, father. Jesus, I thank you for the blood that you shed to make me righteous. That means just like you. You are blameless at the Father's right hand. I'm, an, I'm another son just like you, Father. Just like you, Jesus. You're the greater one in me. As you are, so am I in this world. I thank you. I thank you that I'm declared innocent. I ask you, Father, that you will establish me more and more in my blood relationship with you. That you give us all things just because we are yours. Just because you love us now. Just because we're back home with you. We're back one with you, Father. Your children have come back home to you. And we enjoy that relationship. 
Amen. Every time you do it, now know that you're celebrating your co-union, communion, common union with him. Okay, like father, like son. Uh, yeah, I'm going to end that message today.